John. Said John chapter 14, verse 16. John chapter 14, verse 16. If you're following along, I'll be online. Welcome to Little Sandy Baptist Church, 3569 State Route 3307 in Greenup. I encourage you to visit with us. You're not attending a church anywhere, come out and visit with us. We'd love to have you. Next week is our Christmas programs. We'd love to have you be as part of our Christmas services here at Little Sandy Baptist. Morning worship is at 11, Sunday school is at 10. We're reading this morning, I'm reading from John chapter 14, verse 16. John 14, verse 16, it says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you, yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me. Because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. May the Lord raise blessing to the reading of his word. What a wonderful passage it is. Let us pray together for just a moment. Heavenly Father, I just thank you today for your love and concern. I thank you for your care for us. Thank you for the Christmas season. Thank you today specifically for sending the Holy Spirit to indwell each individual believer Uh, To convict of sin, yes. Also to encourage, to minister to our spirits, to help us to understand Scripture, to assure us of our place with you in heaven for eternity. Lord, we thank you for the Comforter who comforts us in so many ways. Help us to learn together today. We have those teaching downstairs. May we, again, strive to serve you each and every day. And may the message be fruitful in all of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Four things this morning, if you're taking down notes, first of all, we see the person and we see his deity regarding the person in verse 16. I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. And if we stop for just a moment, what we often neglect is when he says, I will give you another comforter, what does that mean regarding Jesus? Jesus is a comforter. I will give you another comforter. And doesn't Jesus comfort us when we pray to him, when we read his word, when he ministers to our spirit? This is one of the greatest realities of the New Testament time is that God, the Holy Spirit, indwells each and every single born-again child of God. How does that happen? I can explain it. The Bible says it happens, and he is a spirit, so he's able to indwell every single individual. Old Testament, it was not that. Now, he had a part. Obviously, matter of fact, the Holy Spirit is a subject of considerable Old Testament revelation. Why would you say that, Pastor? Because Genesis 1-2, and the Spirit of God moved upon, etc. The Spirit of God from Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, he, is, he helped the people to do mighty things. He would come on them for a certain purpose. However, in our age, in our era, the age of grace, Jesus leaves. Ten days later, the Spirit comes in the day of Pentecost, And now, when you trusted Christ as Savior, if you have done that, He came in to your heart and life. Jesus, we are in Christ, who is the hope of glory. He is in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Why doesn't Jesus Himself indwell every single believer? You know, right? Why? He became 
One of us took on the form of a servant, has a human body now, albeit it's one that's going to last forever, but he's at the Father's right hand. So as he's no longer just the... You know, he, you realize what humiliating what it was for him? Not, but the, not the humiliating, but the humility is a better word. To take a bodily form and have that form for eternity. So that rascals like me and rascals like you can go to heaven. And then now we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And so it's a wonderful privilege. It also is a very convicting thing, is it not? I tell you, God can do things in people's lives that no human being can do. I'll just tell you that right now. He can change people from the inside out. He changed me. You say, but pastor, you got saved at six years old and you didn't have that wild, woolly life. Praise the Lord, I didn't. Praise the Lord, I had parents who led me in the right direction and I received the Lord at six. My wife was four, so she didn't have that wild, woolly life either. So I'm praising the Lord for that. Some of you were not so fortunate. And God saved you out of a life of different than it is now. Praise the Lord for that. The comforter comes in when we receive Christ as personal Savior. Now, remember, the context here is all the way back to chapter 14, verse 2. I go to prepare a place for you. He's leaving. And there's absolute, what's going to happen now? We've gone through my, uh, just at my job where I work, we've had some, a lot of changeover, and actually my boss left last month, before last, and we have a new boss, so there's a ch- what, what are we going to do now? The ladies come in, did a good job. But this, this is, Jesus is leaving his disciples. That's going to be a monumental thing for them. But he's not going to leave them comfortless. He's going to send another comforter. And that's, going to, of course, going to be the Holy Spirit. He's going to do something. The Holy Spirit's going to do something he's never done before, and that is actually baptize believers into the church. The mystical body of Christ. Every single born-again believer is part of God's church, I believe. You're truly born again. You're part of God's church. And so when you receive Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit in that way baptizes us into the church. Now, should you also be physically baptized? Yes. After you receive Christ as personal Savior, if you receive Him as personal Savior, take your stand. Be baptized. Become, and let people know what you have done. I would encourage you to do that. But when you receive Christ as personal Savior, the Spirit came in. This word comforter, in the Greek word, is only used in John's Gospel and his first epistle. The word means para, to the side of, kalu, to summon. To summon to the side of, later in a Hellenistic world, it meant an act of consoling and consolation. It gave rise to the meaning or word comforter, which is given in every instance, it's called comforter, except in 1 John 2, 1, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So the rendering of comforter is justified in the fact that its original sense, it means more than simply a mere consoler being derived from the Latin comforter, to strengthen and to comfort. It's one who strengthens the cause, encouraged the client at the bar of judgment, says in Vincent Word Studies. The Greek word is a common usage in, in its A as a, a legal assistant. We might call him a paralegal today. An advocate. We might call him that. We have call it someone who witnesses. We actually most likely call them their attorney. They're the advocate. We even use it sometimes today. Now, in that era, it could be an advocate or it could be a witness. One commentator puts it this way, counselor is not wrong so long as a legal counselor it was, and it was not a camp counselor or a marriage counselor, but that was a legal counselor. That is the idea. It extends beyond legal sphere. 
means to encourage, to strengthen, to aid. One rendering is one who speaks in our defense. Historically, the custom was in an ancient tribunal, there would be parties who would appear in court to attend someone who's accused. And so if I was being accused and Mr. Womack would agree to it, he would appear in court and I wouldn't pay him. He would just come to court and he would vouch for me. Now, I may not want Mr. Womack to do that, so let's see, how about Chris? How about Chris would come and vouch for me because he'd be on my side. So hopefully Chris would be on my side as long as he don't talk about the Browns. He'd be on my side. In Latin, it's advocatus. They were advocates and they would come and they would, at their own expense, come to the aid of the person who's accused. And they would, they would vouchsafe. And if they were very wealthy, they might even use financial means. And that was the idea of comforter to come alongside of. Paraclete, if you would, in the Greek language, advocate. And by the way, aren't you glad we have an advocate with the Father? Jesus Christ, the righteous who is in heaven, who appears on our behalf, patronizing our calls, urging our pleas, and ever living to make intercession for us. Woohoo! That should excite us because I'm in need of intercession. Perhaps you can fly through the day without any problems and no sin, and you can just, oh, well, there's another day for me. Lord didn't have to intercede for me at all. I'm, he's interceding for me because I say things wrong. I, I think the wrong thoughts, do all these different things. He's interceding for me. One man says, Jesus promises thereby clearly indicating it will not be himself but someone else. He uses the word for another, which Greek means, in Greek, another of the same kind. Here again is a clear reverence to the mystery of the Trinity, the three persons. He's praying, the Father to send, the Son is praying, and the Holy Spirit is coming. If you want one verse to say the Bible teaches the Trinity, yes, but you don't find the exact word, no. But the Bible teaching of the Trinity is clear throughout Scripture. The Father, Son, and Spirit working together in seamless harmony. Three persons, one God. The Jews still struggle with that. A lot of other people struggle with that. Now, the Greek word for another, very important, there's heteros and alos. Heteros is another of a different kind, while alos refers to another of the same kind. If you have a dog and you get a cat, you've got another, but that's a heteros. That's a different kind. If you have one golden retriever and get another golden retriever, you've got a lot more trouble, but perhaps, unless they're, actually, they're pretty nice dogs, aren't they? If you have one, they're very nice dogs, so you have double the pleasure. How about that? But then you have alos, another of the same kind. Even if it was another dog, it'd be another, perhaps, of the same, of another of that same kind. Perhaps the most salient picture of this, if you want to hold your finger, is Galatians chapter 1, 6, and 7. If you want to hold your finger, John, Galatians chapter 1. We looked at this several, several maybe last year even, a year or so ago. Galatians chapter 1. And we have this Paul writing to the church at Galatia. He gives his introduction, the first five verses, and boom, verse 6. I marvel, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another heteros, another heteros gospel. In other words, a false gospel, verse 7, which is not an alos, another of the same gospel, but there be some that trouble you, etc. So they were falling prey to another gospel, a heteros, heresy. Something taught by someone, perhaps unknown, Apollos, was teaching things that were wrong. Aquila and Priscilla set him straight. Heresy. And heretic, now, is one who decides and chooses to reject biblical authority and teaching. If you're a heretic, you might say, well, I don't believe Jesus is God. I don't believe he's virgin born. I don't believe he's going to come back again. I don't believe he died on the cross. I don't believe this. 
Well, then, you might, then you, you're, you're, you're lost for one thing. But heretic is someone who chooses heresy as teaching something that is not biblically correct. But perhaps you don't know, and someone has to, well, this is really what it teaches. Have you, have you not learned things? That, I've preached things before. I, I would not preach necessarily because I think differently about that now than years past. But, you know, I preach, well, this, that, or the other. I'm not going to say that anymore that specific way. This was a gospel. He said, I marvel that you're so removed to a gospel that is not like the one I preached to you. The verbal form of parakaleo literally means to call alongside. And I did not know this until this week, but Muslims typically believe that Muhammad is the fulfillment of Jesus' promise that he would send another counselor comforter. Uh, hello, Muhammad is not God. And the word there is, see how clearly it's important to know what the Greek background of that word? Another just like, Muhammad's just not like Jesus. There's no. But now, if you're thinking, like Muslims think, Muhammad was the number one prophet and Jesus is one of the greatest prophets, not as good as Muhammad. Do you see how they're thinking? It works out that way. But not biblically, it does not work out that way. Another just like me. See how important that is that you study through and know what the Bible is teaching. And I like this also. Advocate implies two things. Someone's in trouble, and someone else is coming to the rescue. Perhaps that's a good way of understanding the work of the Spirit. When we're the ones who find ourselves in trouble, we're troubled by sin, we're troubled by Satan, we're troubled by the strains of life, by persecution, by demands bigger than us, by condemnation, by doubts, by fears. One person who can readily come to our side and help us is the Holy Spirit. We're the ones who are in trouble. He's the one that comes to help. A very short poem, I like this, by F.M. Faber. Must be an old Puritan. He said, Twice have I erred a distant God. Was what I could not bear. Sorrows and cares were at my side. I longed to have Him there. But God is never so far off as even to be near. He is within. Our spirit is the home He holds most dear. And He wants to... Minister with your spirit and encourage to teach, to train, and yes, to convict. Have you not felt the conviction of the spirit perhaps even this week? Perhaps even this morning already. You said, that's just, I, I shouldn't be doing that in the spirit. Like, yes, you're right. It's that squeezing of your heart, if you would. J.C. Ryle, who died about 1904, 1900, somewhere in that general neighborhood, one principal point, he said, is that, is that all three persons of the Blessed Trinity, the Son praying, the Father giving, the Spirit comforting, are here. When our Lord says, and I will pray the Father and He shall give, we must need suppose that He, God, accommodates language to our minds. The gift of the Holy Ghost was appointed in eternal councils of the Trinity in the past. And we cannot literally say the gift depended upon Christ asking. Moreover, in another place, our Lord says, I will send Him. He's promised to give. And I will pray the Father, and he shall do it. My understanding, that helps me understand. When the Bible says the eye of the Lord is looking out, or the Bible says the ear or the right hand is power to save, or this that helps me to understand in my mind's eye, although God the Father, does he have a right hand or a left hand, a foot, a feet? No, he's a spirit. But the Bible gives those anthropomorphisms, human characteristics to God that we might understand him better. 
By the way, contrary to false teachings of the cult, such as Jehovah's Witnesses and the assumption of many professed Christians even today, the Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force or power. So when you say the force be with you, it has nothing to do with God. I just get that straight. Whether you're Luke Skywalker or whether, uh, I think, is it, what's the other girl? The girl's name, J.U. is like one word. Anyway, the force has nothing to do with the dark side. Now, there are dark elements. Matter of fact, we wrestle against flesh and blood. Not against flesh and blood. We wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we wrestle against those kind of things. But this idea, you see, if you can't believe what the Bible says, no, no, you won't believe what the Bible says, then you've got to come up with a, an alternate explanation. The force is out there somewhere. and you not, I will have to say, I even will sometimes go, you will believe. I say to the cat, no, you will like that. Or, and they don't listen to me a bit more. You will stop meowing. I don't know what I did. I did something recently this week. They never listen anyway, so I was to make fun with it. I might have fun with it. But I don't believe that stuff, but I tell you, there's many who do. There's many who have watched Luke Skywalker since 1978. I come on the scene. Wow. Wow. I, I just, ooh, I just feel the, the good vibe. Oh, I've got, I've got bad karma today. And you see how pervasive Sunday school is spot on. We're wrestling against ideologies. We're wrestling against a culture that has gone kaput, spiritually speaking. You and I need to stand true upon God's word and say what the Bible says and say it clearly. The commentators remark that the future tense here points to Christ's continual intercession for us. And I will pray the Father. Aren't you glad He's praying for us? He's interceding, yes. When you read the Holy Spirit being given, we must not think that there was... No sense before the church that he was not involved in anything. I tell you, no one receives Christ as Savior without the Spirit being involved. Even after the church goes, the Spirit is still going to be involved in every salvation during the tribulation time. He's, that's who he is. He is God. If there's no Spirit conviction of heart, you're not going to receive Christ as personal Savior. So it's like, well, when the, the church goes, the Holy Spirit's going to be gone. No. And I was just thinking, I would think at this point in my study, at this, I think the Spirit's going to indwell us forever. That's my personal, at this point in time. Even as we get to heaven, He's going to be indwelling us. And by the way, we will be perfect then. And what, can't you imagine the ministry's going to be with the Holy Spirit indwelling us and praising God? And Isn't it going to be wonderful? Yes. The train's coming this morning at 12.05. Are you, do you really want to get on? You know, that's a good question. The gospel train, if Jesus was returning at 12.05 Eastern Standard Daylight Time, would you want to go? If there's any hesitancy, you need, you need to rethink your thinking. We should be, let's go. But pastor, I've got people who are not saved, and I, I, we need to be working then on those. Do we not? Praying. Giving opportunity, ask the Lord for opportunities this Christmas time to, to open up and share the gospel. Talking to a guy just yesterday at the mall, and he and another guy, he's waiting for another guy to come about personal evangelism. He, he started working with me. He said, now, here's the first question I say. Do you want to, you know, do you want to go to heaven? And then what plans have you made to go there? Thought-provoking question. Are you truly ready to go? If Christ comes back today, will you go to heaven or will you be left behind? Was not the Spirit even involved in John the Baptist in the, when he's in the womb? He, he jumped, leaped for joy when he heard about the Christ child. And now the Holy Spirit's been given to us. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you 
forever. I stopped right there. Just think, is that not biblical then? Forever? He's going to abide with us forever? Jesus is leaving? But when the Holy Spirit comes, forever? I mean, that could be part of our eternal security in Christ? Oh, uh, yes, I think so. He's going to abide with us forever. The deity, then, is the person, the deity, and his discovery. By far, that's the longest point, so don't get really nervous. I keep track of the time. His discovery, verse 17. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. Whom the world cannot receive, neither knoweth him. You have but to turn on the TV at any given point in time, of any day, of any moment in time in history right now, and it's a world who does not receive God. It's antithetical to God. I don't know if it's the right word or not, but they just don't want God around. They want, don't want to believe his word. The world as a whole. Look at the advert- one advertiser was called on the carpet, even by its own people this, this past week, because they were advertising and they had children carrying bears in bondage gear. You think our world, they're trying to, they're trying to ease us into thinking those kind of things are okay. They're not okay. It is wrong. That is wrong on so many levels. And let us not be caught promoting or even tagging or any part of it. We should stand against stuff like that. Even when even the media said they've gone too far, I'm telling you, they've gone too far. But the Bible says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. So you wonder why. They just don't understand. And there's a lot of not wanting to understand. Not wanting to understand. Jesus says, a a remarkable new resource is available to the world. Yet the world cannot receive him because they don't know him. This wonderful resource is called the Holy Spirit. Receiving Christ as personal Savior. But we have been bent, even in our own country since about the 50s and 60s, to set God outside of our... We want our lives, but we want God you want here. God, you're out here, but we want to live our lives just like, just like we want to live. And if I get in really deep trouble, then God, I may call you back into my life. And we are sinking ship. We don't change. We find then that, that there's just no mention of God often. I was asking Mr. Stevens yesterday. We were doing the teen shopping. Had a good time. I said, Mr. Stevens, I said, where are the old traditional Christmas carols? This stuff I hear is just, now I'm, I'm, I know I'm very conservative musically. Not ultra conservative, by the way, but I'm conservative. I want to hear Christmas carols that speak about the Lord. I mean, when's the last time you hear Christmas carols about, over, they got all these nameless Tuneless, nameless wonders for Christmas. I don't want that. I want to hear Silent Night. I want to hear Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I want to hear Old Little Town of Bethlehem. I want to hear about the reason. Mary, now, Mary, did you know? Written by Mark Lowry, of all things, and Buddy Green. But that has a good word, I mean, it has a good message to it. Truth. Truth is indispensable. Do you see, it says in 17, even the spirit of truth. Truth is important, by the way. Truth is the foundation of society. When you jettison truth, when you try to culturize us into believing something that's not real is real, we're just, we're just, we're just throwing the truth out the door. There was a pastor, true story, ended one Sunday morning service by saying to these people, he said, folks, I want you to read the 17th chapter of Mark's gospel for next Sunday morning in preparation for the service. So the next Sunday morning, he's true to his word. He said, now how many of you have read the 17th chapter of Mark's gospel? And most of the hands went up. 
And he said, there is no 17th chapter. Mark's gospel. And this morning's message is on lying. Lying. Now, I wonder, I wonder across Greenup, Boyd, and Scioto counties, if, this, if every pastor asked that same question, how many hands would be raised this morning? Oh, pastor, I'll, I'll read it. You see, and they didn't even read it. And they, oh, I read it last week. Did he even know? I'm trust. If, 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 if you come to our church and say, the pastor never told me to read the Bible, please don't ever say that because I'm telling you, you need to read it. You need to be people of, you need to be a striving believer who's seeking to walk with God. Lay aside the carnal spirituality. Lay aside the, the nominal Christianity and be on fire for Him. We all aren't good at everything, but you can be what God has called you to be. Every pastor can't do everything to, to your liking, even a pastor's liking. Pastors have strong points and weak points. You have strong points and you have weak points. Take what God has given you and bloom where you're planted. What ministry has God given you? Take it and run with it for His glory. That's not my message even. His dwelling. His discovery, his dwelling, verse 17, but you know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. He's already there, but now he's going to indwell them and they're going to, and in Acts chapter 2, they're going to be given some wonderful sign gifts. Why? To prove that the gospel message is real and the Jews people would know they're going out of Judaism, which by the way, Judaism was out of sync with Christianity from the moment Christ died. It was really a, uh, a I know it's, Warp, don't want to warp your thinking, but it was the false religion Judaism was. Once Jesus died, the church was the new thing. And they needed, and the whole big problem was they wanted to put Christianity under Judaism's umbrella. No. Christianity is what God's plan is for the ages. It's a, it's a new covenant. Or we call it a new testament. New covenant he's given to us. The dwelling. He's going to dwell with us. The person, the purpose in 18, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. It's like a dying father who does not about, concern about his children. He promised his disciples he would not leave them comfortless. Or here's a word we would regularly uh, understand, orphans. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. The reference to leaving is, is a veiled reference to really to his death. He graphically expresses, I'm not going to leave you. You will see me again. I will come to you, he indicates. After the resurrection, he appeared to... By the way, I've told you before, but he only appeared to people who believed in him after the resurrection. The world had their chance. He dies, he raises from the dead, and only people who believed in him did he appear to. Like what Spurgeon says regarding orphans, he says, An orphan has parents who are dead. The Spirit shows us Jesus is alive. An orphan's left alone. The Spirit draws us close to God's presence. An orphan has lost their provider. The Spirit provides all things. An orphan is left without instruction. The Spirit teaches us all things. And an orphan has no defender. The Spirit is our protector. I will not leave you as orphans. The person, the purpose, the promise in 19, yet a little while in the world shall seeth me no more, but ye shall see me because I live, he shall, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. The world lives by sight. We live by faith. When Jesus is out of sight, he's out of the mind of so many. Do you wonder why the world has nothing to do with Jesus? He doesn't, he doesn't see him. He doesn't see Jesus in our lives as Christians even often. They don't see clearly. And so out of hell, 
When's the last time the pastor preached? It's been quite a while since it preached on hell. No one wants to talk about hell. So we're hoping the world hopes and Satan's hoping that out of sight, out of ear, out of mind. Well, if it's, we don't talk about it, perhaps it'll go away. I've got, I've got walls to paint at home. Some, you know, a lot of walls to paint, a lot of ceilings to paint, etc. Now, I can put it out of my mind, but they're not going away. When I step through that door, they're still going to be there. Tim, 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 Tim. I got a new cat at house. New cat, we got a new cat. Named Mozart, of all things. And so uh, I could possibly wish that, you know, that new cat would, you know, maybe, I don't wish this, maybe both cats would find a new home. But when I go back inside, I got to frown for my wife. Well, when I go back inside, I step in the door and go upstairs. They're both going to be right there. There for me. Oh, by the way, our, the old cat, Darius, he crossed the Rainbow Bridge this week. So you probably won't hear many more illustrations about the grumpy old cat from Hebelin Road. So uh, he had just, we're not, he had, his hips were going out of, he just could not walk anymore. He had hip pain, and it was getting worse and worse and worse. It was time. We, we care for our cats, very, take care of them very well. But there's come the time, as you well know, if you're an animal lover, when the pain starts becoming too much, put them out of misery and let them go on their way. That's where we are. The promise. He's promised that he's, he's, he's going to come to us and the Spirit's going to indwell us and all these and wonderful things He's given to us. I, I, I like this. Our ability to see, our ability to see is influenced by what we've been trained to look for. A doctor will see more by looking down the throat of a sick child than a parent. An artist will appreciate a tour through an artist's gallery much more than someone like myself who has no artistic sensibilities. And a seamstress will appreciate a finely tailored outfit much more than someone whose eyes have not been trained to notice the subtleties of style and precision. And so too, here's the point, if our eyes are trained to see God's hand in our circumstances, then each pressure indenting our clay of our lives will be seen not to bend us out of shape, but to mold us into vessels of honor. If we can just see through the right lens what God is doing in our lives, He wants us to become like Himself. In the context, only a few hours, He's going to go to Calvary, the crucifixion. He would be dead. Unbelieving word, but world would no longer see Him, but they would see Him again. Yet a little while, the world seeth me no more but ye see me. And finally, the proving in verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. This one point, only be obedience, flowing from a heart transformed by God's love upon us, with the regenerating power of the Spirit, that marks the one who truly loves God. Obedience to what He's called us to do. That's, that's what it means. In a profound theological workbook, Lucy says to Charlie Brown, Life's a mystery, Charlie Brown. Do you know the answer? And Charlie Brown lifts his finger and pontificates. He says this, Be kind. Be prompt. Smile a lot. Eat sensibly. Avoid cavities and mark your ballot carefully. Avoid too much sun. Send overseas packages early. Love all creatures above and below. Ensure your belongings and, and try to keep the ball low. In the last frame, Lucy says, hold real still. I'm going to hit you a very sharp blow to the nose, Charlie Brown. Now, we all would like to think things are simplistic like that. We want a simplistic answer to growing in Christ. We want a simplistic answer 
through how do I become more like Him? And it is very simple in this text for us. It's not easy, but it is simple. You want to know this question about how do I become more like Christ? How do I grow deeper in my knowledge and love of Him? We grow by obeying Him. That is it. I'm not offering you some deep theological thing that may involve theology, it may involve doctrine, but I'm telling you, you want to become like Christ, obey what He's told you to do. And that is how you show you love Him. Read His Word. Pray to Him faithfully. Attend His house. Tell others. Do spiritual things and grow in your grace and knowledge. But it involves obedience. You want to become... Mr. Dickens could tell me how to drive a truck. And he could tell me for an hour. Here's the, okay, now here's the keys. Take off and go. And I could disobey everything he says. That's not going to make me a good truck driver. But I want, I'm going to listen to what he says. If I am going to become like Christ, I have got to listen what, to what Christ says and obey it. Obey it. We chafe at obeying sometimes, don't we? Let's not do that. From glory to glory, he's changing me. His image and likeness I would like to be, but involves obedience very best way to show that you believe. Let us pray. Lord, this pastor needs to obey. I would, I would venture to say more than anyone else, I need to be obeying you. Help me to do that. If, Lord, if I, I get sideways, I, I want the spiritual spanking I need to get back in right alignment with you. Lord, we don't like those wake-up calls, I call them our challenge to our own ideology sometimes, or our own path. We, we get off straying thinking we know better than you. And Lord, forgive us for those stallion-like ideologies in our heart that we know better than you, who, are God, who is God. So Lord, help us to humble ourselves. Obedience is the very best way, the songwriter said, to show that we believe. Help us, if we disobey, can we get that right with you? Lord, this morning, if there be even one person does not yet know your Savior, may they receive you. That's the gospel message. You died for their sin. And if they, if you, they will confess and repent, they will, you will come in by grace through faith. If we need to be baptized, we need to join the church. Lord, if there's something in the heart we need to do spiritually, may we respond. May we not sit on our hands and do nothing. Lord, work in our hearts and lives. May we be obedient today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.